0: Welcome to The Beauty of Conflict, a podcast about how to deal with conflict at work, at home, and everywhere else in your life. I'm Susan. And I'm Chris Marie. We run a company called Thrive, Inc., and we specialize in conflict resolution, stress management coaching, and building strong, thriving teams and relationships, both in person and virtually. On this podcast, we'll be sharing
1: tips, tools about how to make your team, your relationship, and even you work more effectively. You can find us at thriving.com. That's W-W-W-T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C.com, Or follow us on LinkedIn at Thrive Inc. We hope you enjoy this episode. And today we're going to be talking about finding wholeness crazy, cracked, warm, and deep. You might think, what the heck? But this is actually the title of Susan's personal memoir, and why we're talking about it is because, one, if you listen to our last week's project on goal setting, you will remember we mentioned Susan's writing, and it was this writing we were talking about. And more recently, which she's been, well, she's been engaged with it since the 1990s, so it's been a long-term process, but she was invited to speak in November and so now she's got a finish line. You want Tell me where I'm wrong, Susan, but you want to have the book done by the talk.
0: That was something that I could get myself really motivated around was like, okay, is this realistic? And I've been working, I have a manuscript now, it's getting worked on. I have, you know, some solid feedback that it could happen that way. You're working with a writing coach. Yes. And so the idea behind this speaking opportunity was something that was actually very inspirational and motivating to me because it's also taking the book and applying it in a way where it can be helpful to other people, you know, because I don't know why people would read my memoir, (laughs) you know. I know why I wrote it, but I don't know. Well, tell us
1: why, one, I just want to say you're not a good marketing arm for your own self there, but but tell us why you wrote this book, Susan.
0: Well, I wrote the book because I really struggled with my own way of putting some of the pieces of my life together. And, you know, it, it really did for quite a long time, I really did feel like fractured or broken, that there was something wrong with me. And because of some of the things that had happened and occurred in my life. And so I, and writing was actually a way sometimes that I could put some kind of sanity into how to put the pieces together. Like this book started as prose that, were just things I wrote to try to help me understand and put together some things that didn't make any sense. They were more like poems. Or- yeah. Mm-hmm. And Gotta be very, me- very metaphorical. Very metaphorical, and I think so metaphorical that they exist on a floppy disk. Like oh not well, even. you know, I actually <laughs> wanted to incorporate them some in, into the manuscript and pulled out a floppy disk. Did, <laughs> most of you listening probably don't even know what a floppy disk is. It's a really like,
1: old time yes, computer thing. you know, it
0: really is. <laughs> it's it's uh, <laughs> the old version of a
1: USB drive.
0: <laughs> yes, kind of, a, you know, it's almost embarrassing to bring up. And you're probably wondering how I ever got. Beyond that. But I did. (laughs) So the writing for me was actually a path I was using to kind of begin to take something from these broad based fragments and bring them into some kind of wholeness for me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, when I think about it, I mean, I work with a lot of people who. Present thinking they need to be fixed or they feel broken or they're challenged. And
1: I think a lot of people out there feel, you may not listener, but I know I felt fundamentally flawed and broken and, and nobody else was like me. And, you know, I must be screwed up and I don't know how other people do this.
0: Yeah. So this book is for someone right. drawn to understanding that. And I, you know, I put it in the context too of like fractals like oh say more <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> fractals that sounds so, very scientific you know, fractals they're repeating patterns in nature and almost everything in nature is a fractal.
1: I, I want to just give our listeners a visual, like the conch shell, you know, that if you look at the, it's spiraling open and it has all those things. You can't see my finger, but I'm drawing a spiral. <laughs> or that's one version of a fractal.
0: Yeah. And the one with the person is stand, there's a. Oh,
1: the golden mean guy, the yeah. Da
0: Vinci person. I don't know if he's Da Vinci, but. Yeah. In there somewhere. <laughs> it's another example of, there's all sorts of, in, in nature, almost everything is a fractal. Root including systems. Us. Yeah. Root Fractals, mm-hmm. but that's actually a little tough to, yeah, for people so. to manage. <laughs> I mean, for me, this comes up because, like, I mean, in, in school, you learn ge- geometry. Now, I'm a pretty good at math, but I never particularly liked geometry, and here's why because they always made it seem like things could fit together perfectly. Mm-hmm. And if you just learned how to do it right, like structures and things like that seem to be best if they're perfectly measured, but, well, houses and bridges and things like that, maybe. But in reality, that's actually, I think sometimes the problem, that's actually not natural. Fractals are more natural. So even something you think is going to stand up forever usually doesn't. Yeah. But anyway. Oh, no, I think that's kind
1: of interesting because my rowing, a boat that, how boats that win are not perfect. I don't know if they're fractals, but they find like the boat that we rode in the 88 Olympics was a perfectly designed boat on a computer and nobody could set it up, which is means balance it. And it it, they pitched it after we didn't win in it. Really the best boat was this, they took a mold of a boat that won a lot of races and they put it in and they kept making boats out of that. And that was back then was the best boat, but it wasn't perfect. Yeah.
0: So, so again, just like people are not perfect, you know, and if you really just walk out in nature and you're not going to find perfection. And the thing about, The thing about it is often what you'll see is what can look like chaos. Yeah. But the reality of it is there's a tremendous amount of order in that chaos. And so that was sort of, for me, it was refreshing. I could have seen myself as broken or fractured. And when somebody introduced me to the concept of fractal, I was like, oh, I'm a fractal. (laughs) I'm like a constantly moving set of stories and pieces and feelings and emotions that actually does have some sort of bizarre order to it.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love your inspiration (laughs) that she just came alive. And I I guess a a visual that helps is like a root system, you know, a root system is always branching out. If it hits a rock, it's going to go around the rock. It's, you know, or if somebody chops off an edge, they're going to grow again in different ways. And that's, I think what you're saying, the visual of you, like, yeah, I'm, I fit together.
0: Yes. And it's kind of like, for me, when I, you know, kind of think about it from that standpoint, it's way more interesting. I'm more curious. I'm putting, piece, you know, I can put pieces together, not so that they fit perfectly, but so that that m- pattern and movement can keep happening. And in some respects, this is the same thing we try to support teams in being. You don't want the perfect harmonious team. No, that's actually deadly. Yeah, it can be. You <laughs> no, know because
1: people aren't actually. <laughs> if it's so harmonious, it's kind of artificial harmony. People aren't bringing up what they really think because anytime you get two or more people together, somebody's going to do something, you're going to do something that bugs me. And if I'm sure
0: teams are fractals too, as well as organizations.
1: (laughs) Now, you science people, geeks out there might be going, you Uh ladies are a wackadoodle. You are not fractals, but I I just want
0: to- I'm sticking to my fractal (laughs) until you can prove otherwise. Hey, it works (laughs) for her. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> so Susan, do you want to say more about the fractals? I wanted to ask. Uh, no, so. we can, we can move on. Well, I just wanted to say, cause so you started with prose and I think even you and I were a part of this project together early
0: on, we were asked to write a book at Haven, right? Right. We were, there was a, there was some things going on where there was an opportunity to do a part of a series of book about, yeah. and we wanted to be a part. So we were writing away and had our, <laughs> I don't know how many pet words we had, but
1: we got, well, we turned it. They had a writer on staff that was helping everybody do these books that, or these, I think there were like four different pairs of people doing these books. And we thought, oh, this is great. And he, and he came back and he basically said, well, I don't think you should, it's really good for you to write in a long book form. It's right. just really not. That's a not fifth. your, may not be your
0: thing. It but, was devastating But what to you hear. are, you know, but, and it took us a while to incorporate what was good, but, <laughs> but we did hear, you know, you're really good at these short pieces. So, in a way, that was inspiring. I think by that time, maybe I'd already started, but we I started blogging more personally. We started blogging together. And yes, that's actually what became the design for. The Beauty of Conflict. Yes, our, if you
1: have that book and you can open it, the chapters, chapter is a generous word for all the different sections we have in there because they're short little pieces. And that we were inspired by our blogging, our bite size, we tell a story, usually have a concept, they're short, easy, digestible. So that's what we... We did, but that was a long, you know, is an arc in our development, our writing development. Yes,
0: and so you know, again, it could seem like something where I could think I was broken because yes. I kind of remember walking away from that experience thinking, oh. uh, I can't do this. Now, you also have to have said in context, I was dyslexic. I had a lot of challenges. You are dyslexic. I am. But I, Yes. <laughs> okay. But I'm not broken. No. Um, you are not broken. No. But the but we why that's difficult spell. is it comes up in the that really can trigger the part of me that's um this is this I can't, can't happen. Th- I can't do you this. You know. So again. So just even listeners out there,
1: when you're facing something that you want to do, but you feel like you can't do or you're broken or not good enough, this is just some examples of how you actually can move through
0: that arc and, and feel more whole. Right. And, you know, it's kind of funny because I think why this idea of doing it from the lens of the book. No, the speaking has become the inspiration to get the book out. Yes. Is because on some level, there's still a part of me, like without you as the co-author alongside me, I'm like, there's no way I could possibly write a book. That's just too. However, what I do know I can do well is help provide people a map, like in coaching or a structure or a way to support and help themselves or well, like workshop. Even
1: in like Find Your Mojo, there's yeah. a structure and a process yeah. to help people through to ignite their heart and spark.
0: So this idea of speaking and offering people this as a map became something that made it even more inspiring to, I really want to get the book out with. Yes. It. So yeah. that really helped.
1: Good. I love it. So Susan, why Crazy Cracked Warm and Deep? Because that's a pretty dramatic
0: title, and people would be like, What? Well, I don't get it. Well, there, like I said, there was a time in my life. Well, there have been a number of times in my life, but mm-hmm. where I did really feel like I felt crazy. And I'll just give you an example of okay. what I mean by that. Like, I mean, some of you know my story of cancer and things. You may not know all of the story of cancer, but one of the things that happened in that in my early 20s was I was kept losing weight and I was getting sick, and no one could figure out what was wrong. And I was spent spent a lot of time with medical people trying to figure out what was happening. And eventually, they were like, "Well, maybe you need to see a psychologist or psychiatrist. (laughs) It might be we can't, you know, we're not we don't have what we need to figure out what's going on." So I decided, what the heck, I'll go. See a therapist in therapy. I uncovered and I've dealt with some stuff that had happened a long, long time ago. Trauma, pretty, pretty, you know, intense trauma and physical and sexual, all sorts of violence. And I actually, and it was like, oh, oh, this is, you know, maybe that's true. This is all just me. bent. you know, this is what's been holding me back. Now it's out.
1: So you're going to get healthier. I'm going
0: to get healthier. But what ended up happening was it was the opening for my doctors were like, I found out shortly thereafter that. I actually had cancer. And it was like, all of a sudden, it felt kind of crazy. Like, how could I go from this to this? You know, there's this internal psychological world that just seemed like it was finally beginning to make sense. And, of course, then on the external world, I was dealing with cancer. So So your physical got worse when you uncovered the trauma. But at the same time, when I kept going forward, working with that trauma, trauma, Mm -hmm. I also relate, and they finally nailed down this is you actually have this cancer process going on. I also started to get healthier whenever I deal it was kind it could sound crazy. Well yeah so
1: (laughs) and just more specific. So they diagnosed you with non-Hodgson's lymphoma, right? Right.
0: But before that they hadn't been able to figure out what was wrong.
1: Right. And actually the cancer got so bad that you were given six months to live, right? Yes. And at that point, that must have felt because were you continuing to deal with your
0: history? I was, but I, did, I think I had also begun to get a lot of strong kickback that that was not a good thing. You mean like uh, from your family? From a, well, not just the... my family. The community where I was at that time, I was getting threats. Stuff was happening. There was because the history involved someone who had a very high-profile figure. So there was a lot of stuff that was coming at me that. This never happened. This, this is your, you know. Your, then, then why? I, I know why I'm wh- being threatened. N- no, yeah. Why do you protest so much, uh, <laughs> people? If this didn't happen. But yeah. when you're in that experience, oh, you don't gosh. think. No. Okay. So it worked. From, the intimidation works. In well, yeah. I just thought I probably could be crazy because I could find no real validation of what was happening, no one would really talk to me much about it. And so that's what I mean by that felt like my crazy. I get it. I I don't get it. Mm -hmm. And even crazier sometimes when, as I made clear, firm decisions, even my cancers turned around in different ways. Like, so it seems too odd that what really healed me was telling the truth. And I say that to people and they think that can't really be it, but, and maybe it's not, but at the time, it sure well, was a direct correlation.
1: And just for you listeners out there that don't know about Susan, she had four different types of cancer. So, and the cancer got less life threatening. But every time, I think one time you even said, "Oh my gosh, I don't want to look at this anymore." And you wound up with an optical eye
0: tumor. Right. So you can see all of that kind of. That's what I mean by that's my crazy and. I can go to a place even now, you know, I'm much better, but you know, it's good to I can tell she's a little uncomfortable with (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay, I don't like to talk about the crazy. Yeah. But I do think that when I really started to I want to befriend my crazy, not get rid of my crazy. Mm. Understand it. We talked about this in another podcast, that notion of focusing. There's a there's the to actually embrace and look at that part. Turn towards it. Turn towards it. And be relational. Um, Yeah. And I think of that as, you know in the book and the in the talk, the way I'm going to talk about this is, you know, there's crazy cracked woman. Those are four key components to mapping your own fractal. If you want to figure <laughs> out how to put yourself back together again. And, you know, I would say to anyone, no, you're crazy. And what I mean by that is those things that you think are so bad, whether, for somebody else, it might be their anger, or it might be their, they don't want to feel helpless or whatever or even the what
1: their body looks like yeah. or there's so many things that we make wrong and try to push and shove away in the closet and that we have a that creates a lot of crazy insanity really yeah
0: and so, I, you know, the met that part of it is all about no, you're crazy, be willing to look at it, be curious about it, be interested about it. Don't just reject it and try to get rid of it. Yeah, because that was true with cancer. Don't try to just get rid of cancer, come up, be curious and interested. That was true with my life story. Wow, be curious about mm-hmm. I love it. Some of it, and, and then cracked. Let's talk cracked. about cracked. <laughs> okay, cracked <gasps> is this idea that you know, breathe, move. And really, it has to do with the breath, because when you start to bring breath into your body, you're not just up in your story, in your head, in your head and cracked, I think of is like, crack the story open, give it some light, because the minute, you know, we suffer in our stories, we are story makers and story fondlers. Yes. Mm -hmm. And when we actually allow those stories to crack open, to question them, to not believe them so rigidly, we begin to let that light in. So that's the idea behind this is how you crack it open is give it some breath give it some movement and i would say susan in this cracking
1: open it's i think it's being willing to actually bring voice and kind of what you've been do- doing with your writing but also in sharing your stories and that's a even in a 12 step program that i'm involved in adult children of alcoholics part of it is actually doing an inventory That's looking at the crazy and actually sharing your four-step with a sponsor. That's That's the crack. That is. (laughs) And so that breath is like bringing life into and because so many people think I'm the only one that feels this way. And so we shove those stories Mm -hmm. away and
0: keep it silent. And that creates more of the crazy. Like I, I think right now, currently- I don't know, listeners, you might be following this a little bit, but there's a lot of things happening in sports. And one of the things happening is Naomi, I'm not going to say her last yeah, name. The right, tennis player though. The tennis player. She really, you know, put down, spoke up and said, you know, I'm not going to, I can't deal with the media. So they started to find her and then they were going to kick her out of the tournament altogether. And she just said, look, I'm not my mental health is more important to me. And she, she talked about what she was facing and dealing with. That's the cracked. And that really... and social actually, anxiety yes. and depression. And-, and, and I think in that way, she let not just the light in for her, hopefully, that she, you know, but she let the light into just how painfully difficult that is, because there's a lot of other people speaking up about that. Yeah. And over and over again, that that idea that someone shares, takes the risk to share their story, actually not just cracks them open, but starts to crack. I love that. That's even the fractal experience of cracking. And it is when we realize,
1: oh my gosh, that's the big thing in ACA, adult children of alcoholics. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm not unique. Everybody, a lot of people are people (laughs) pleasers, afraid of authority figures, afraid of angry people, whatever that is. Like, oh my gosh, you grew up like I grew up. And there's a a normalizing sense that I don't feel so crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that.
0: So, the next part of it is warm. Let's, now, you know, this one you, I think, struggled with a little bit. Well, from... I didn't get it
1: when you described it. So, okay. share so, it.
0: So, <laughs> for me, warm is like this idea of, well, I, what I put it down as reality checking is not relating. And what I mean by that is a lot of my life I spent trying to figure out who I am, what happened, the truth of what happened. Mm -hmm. And when I finally back then, or if I finally get the answer, you know, even with, you know, if they find, if they can tell me what's wrong with me, then I'll know how to fix it. And of course, eventually, not only did I discover that was not quite how it happened, yeah. you know? So reality checking is that I've got to check out my reality outside of my, I got to have it proven to me. Oh, or but tell it, me this happened or validate it, that this is the truth tell, of what happened. Or tell me what's right or wrong or whatever, make oh, it that yeah. because it's easier then. Like I think sometimes in our justice system, we think, well, if we just, you know, we can prove that this person is a horrible villain, then it's done. But the reality of it is- That doesn't really resolve it. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that really resolves it sometimes is what I call the relating piece or the connecting piece, empathy Mm -hmm. for having, knowing that somebody else is feeling that for you, or you can feel it for them. And for me, what was interesting about this was I had a, because of all that had happened in my twenties, I'd had a, like a 10 year period where I was separated from my family and I just didn't have anything to do with any of them because I was trying to Figure things out, and when we finally all got together, I really had this belief that we were getting together because I was finally going to be able to tell my story, and maybe they some validation, whatever. They and, were going to hear me. Yeah, I admit, you know, <laughs> I agree with but, me. And uh, you know, that's not what happened. I mean, <laughs> I, I did get to tell my story, but what was the profound moment in that was that I realized was when my mom, ma- my mother, shared her reality, very different than mine. And told me what was happening for her. And because I didn't need to prove my reality, I just listened to her. And I had, I felt empathy. I felt warmth. This Mm -hmm. is where the word comes from. My heart was opened. And there was a connection that wasn't based upon reality. I shared reality. It was based upon this space between us that I could, oh, Wow, if that's what was going on for you, man, that must have been difficult. And so I felt my own empathy and my own heart for her, and that was huge. So it sounds like you came in
1: wanting to be validated, wanting to, you know, tell me this is what happened and what what happened in the process is you actually connected to her at a heart level as a human who you could see her as her and her own experience and not have to make her agree with your reality. Right.
0: And I, I mean, I see this all the time, even in teams we work with where people fight to be right. And as soon as they can get beyond that and start to just listen to each other and and and, actually
1: ask, why is that so important to you? And that's what drives that that, the warmth. Yes, (laughs) You start to connect
0: through the heart and then you'd be surprised what can happen and what can get
1: created. Right. And that actually did happen with your family because you have a whole different relationship with your family
0: now. And not that anyone has agreed on any reality of what happened back then. This is what I love though, about the book itself, the memoir itself. I found out that memoirs don't really have to have, don't necessarily, this one is not about truth. Mm-hmm. It's about putting the pieces together. And that's helpful for me because one of my fears of sharing this story is that people would hear it in certain ways, even my own family, and it mm-hmm. would disintegrate those relationships again. But the people I have shared it with were like, "No, oh, there's a lot of heart in this. There's mm-hmm. a lot of caring. And it's not about the reality. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you got it. And, you <laughs> know, So that was exciting to me to that's hear sweet. that. Yeah. And so the last one is deep. Okay. Okay. Number four, deep. Number four, deep. And that to me is about this notion that get below the surface. And what I mean by, and there's three different ways I'm going to express it. One, just in people in general, you know, usually when you meet, you're really only seeing very little of them. They talk about the iceberg. Like most of us, what we're actually sharing out in the world is Pretty limited, and if you think of an iceberg, proportionally, it's, yeah, it's just a little tip of the iceberg. And there's this huge wealth underneath it, right? The depth, mm-hmm. and that's the same way it is with people. There's a lot more than what you, you know, skin and eyes and face and size, well, and, or, or
1: or accomplishments, yeah. or what you yeah. look like, or the money yeah. you make. And I, I think there's this brings up the the saying, don't compare your insides to somebody else's outsides because you don't know what's inside that person.
0: Yeah. And the other thing though, this means for me is beneath the surface, you really begin to see the amazing amount of interconnectivity and resilience that happens. Now I'm going to talk about that from two different standpoints. One, if you listen to our our mentor gardener, Robin, she's done two different things around resiliency and on garden On our podcast. Yes. Those
1: are earlier episodes you can find.
0: But she talks about this whole idea that underneath the surface, is the, the, there are these microbes that are doing all this work pretty much in any living state, like on your own skin, you have microbes. Yeah. You, know, you know, you may think it's all just pure, but you got, <laughs> you got a lot of other things supporting this interconnectivity of how everything operates. Mm-hmm. And- but you don't know that if you just, you know, think on the surface or if you work on your garden just on the surface. Or if you <laughs> dig it all up and, and destroy the
1: actual yeah. underneath. A lot of times people think, oh, I've got to till my soil and mix it all up. But you're kind of breaking
0: up all the, the microbes. Yeah. yeah. You know, so in the last one, you know, I listen regularly to this meditation at night called healing in, in sleep and she often talks about when it's dark there's you actually go your body goes into a different space that allows that healing to occur there's a whole process that's going on I think of that as the deep work you can't see it on the surface right but it happens in the dark down underground in the in a way that is really important sometimes to understand and you know when you're looking at someone you don't know their story right so you don't know their deep, but if you go deeper, you're probably going to find out some amazing things.
1: Well, that's even, I, I think about this is what we do with teams is one of the things is we have them introduce themselves in a way that's not their pedigree, but really more about who they are as a way of opening just a little window into that deepness. Like this person, and once, oh gosh, once we had two team members, they'd worked together like 17 years. And we did this exercise with this team. And one of the gentlemen said, well, yeah, my brother was murdered when I was young. And that was this guy, his peer that had worked with him for 17 years had no idea about that. And it cast just a whole new light on this human being and what they had gone through. Cause you think about all the experiences we have in our lives, they're so rich and they do define us, but how often do we actually, what is it crack open and share yeah. that, but that creates that warmth, the connection and the deeper
0: relationships, the deeper yes. connecting. Yes. That's so cool, Susan. <laughs> so those are kind of the, that's what I'm working with in terms of how you can apply it. And also you listeners. Working, you listeners. <laughs> and the book itself is divided into, you know, it's kind of looking at it from the standpoint of bringing the, these pieces together. And, you know, it's not going to be a perfect story. It's <laughs> going to be a fractal. And it and this book has been a fractal <laughs> for its entire existence. <laughs> so I just want to, for you listeners out
1: there, you know, you can just even see the trajectory, you know, the arc of all that you've gone through to bring it to fruition. And I think working through your own inner angst while you're writing, this. And I just want that to provide that as inspiration. Nobody out there is broken.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I know that from my own experience of I didn't, you know, I had to learn that I wasn't broken. But I having, you know, been a, a therapist, an educator, a coach, the, the consulting we do the you know, I see over and over again, people don't actually I don't know that they always, they think they need to be fixed. Yeah, no, I've no, actually no. not found a person where that's actually really the solution. Even the ones who get fixed usually <laughs> need some help understanding that they were never broken. Yeah, And that's actually when they begin to really accelerate in their life and in their living and in being their own unique fractal. Yes, <laughs> which
1: actually makes them even at work a much more rich resource rather than just a cog in the wheel. But bringing more of who they are to everything they do is such a, A fulfilling experience, and it also broadens their reach. And it's actually the arc that I think both of us have been on is recognizing, "Hey, we're not broken, and neither are you, person that we coach." And yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah, this is a big step, Susan. I really just personally want to thank Mm. you for being willing to share this, and you're glowing. I just have to tell you, I
0: feel good. I mean, I (laughs) I I will confess, I feel kind of like, oh, what have I done? But you know, (laughs) keep putting it out there because. I really believe when I put it out there, it's, you know, I will keep moving towards it. It's another turn in the fractal. It is. Okay. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed
1: this podcast. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to the beauty of conflict podcast. We know conflict, stress, and uncertainty can be hard to navigate. We want to support you becoming
1: more resilient, able to speak up and have healthy relationships and business teams that thrive. Connect to us on LinkedIn at thrive, Inc. Learn how we can work with you, your team, or your company at Thriving.com. That's www.thriving.com ccom We hope you have a
0: peaceful, productive, and beautiful day. Take care.